The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Soft landings, straight lines, and struggles. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Glad you are here. Next hour, we're going to talk about planning stuff, five things you'll encounter in the first 10 years of retirement. Ask Annex is on the way, and we'll be standing straight because we've got a Marine doing it yes, today. Sir. Stick around for that. Passion assets, we all have them. How do they work into your investment and estate planning? I'll just tell you this. It's more about the estate planning. It's something we do all the time for our clients at Annex Wealth Management. I'm Danny Clayton. Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist, is here. Hey. Great to be here. Hey, Dave Spano, president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Yeah, for sure. An interesting week, folks. And we ended up on Friday pretty flat. It was a bit of a slow trading day, as we all know that Monday is Martin Luther King Day. So we really wanted to see how we went into this weekend and if traders really held positions over the weekend. And it's been a good run. We started with earnings season this past week and we saw the financials come out with some reports. Yeah, looking at the financials, it was really a mixed bag. It was almost this tale of two types of financial institutions. Uh, Last year, the big winner in financials was J.P. Morgan. That actually kind of continued with earnings season. When I was listening to the earnings calls uh, pre-market open on Friday, it was fascinating listening to Jamie Dimon and then the CFO talk about the economic outlook. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number one, their results were just very strong, right? Very profitable. I think it was the best one that they've had in like seven years. But the outlook I found to be a little encouraging as well. They were talking about how they're budgeting for an increase in some defaults and delinquencies, but nothing outlandish. So it seems like the consumer is still doing what the consumer does best, which is consume. But then you had those other financials where they're beginning, they're kind of struggling a little bit. Uh, I think that we've heard from like, you know, like City, that's one they're going through a transformation. Transformation and lots of job cuts. Yes, that is one of the things that we've been hearing a little bit more about, and we will be very keen to listen in on with earnings calls is how many more companies are going to be announcing job cuts. What we had over the last two years is what economists call labor hoarding. So companies know how hard it was to find talent, and so they would just keep them on, even if they didn't really need them. They would just hope that people would uh, exit either through retirement or through quitting. But now companies are getting a bit more proactive about letting people go. Financials, we even heard from Google and Amazon that they're letting some people go. So we're starting to see some job cuts, folks, and we're going to have to pay attention to that. And let's quickly change gears and talk about inflation. I know we've pounded this topic to death, but what we're seeing right now is very interesting. We saw a CPI report on Thursday in a PPI report on Friday. Let's explain what that means. Yeah, a little mixed messages from those two reports. And inflation, I, I'm not sure if you can ever spend enough time on it because it's just the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> and this past week, so CPI, Consumer Price Index, is supposed to be a measure of like the average cost of what people buy. Uh, PPI, Producer Price Index, is basically from the business side as far as what are they getting for what they sell. And so our costs going up, you see that with PPI, our prices going up for consumers at C. 
CPI. And we got mixed messages. Yep. CPI was hotter than expected, 0.3% month on month, whereas PPI was less than expected. It was actually negative, right. negative 0.1%. Which is deflation. It right? is, exactly. So that's three months in a row, Brian, I yes. think. Yes, it is. Yep, PPI has been a negative three months in a row. And it, uh, for the last year, producer prices are up only 1%. Whereas if you look at consumer prices, that's closer to like three to three and a half percent. And we talk about deflation and not only here, we've watched this very closely on this index, but we're also seeing that in China. They've has also had three straight months of deflationary environment. They have, yep, a lot of weak growth in China. Now, I do have to say it is still growth. It's just weaker than what a lot of people were expecting. They're probably going to come in in 2023 when they finally report their numbers. They're one of the first ones to report probably around five to five and a half percent growth. But that is very weak for them. That's down from 10 percent just a few years ago. So they've really decelerated their growth rate and consumers just really aren't out there spending like they used to. The government is likely going to have to do something when it comes to stimulus in 2024. And that's it. That's the relevant point, folks. What is the Federal Reserve going to do? They are indicating that they're going to lower interest rates as we go through 2024. How often and how dramatic they do that, especially before the election, will tell the tale, folks. Dave Spanos, our president and CEO. Brian Jacobson, chief economist at Annex Wealth Management. Put these gentlemen to work and the rest of the team for you for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. We always figure we have well, four or five different types of people listening. Clients, and if that's you, thank you. Do-it-yourselfers, fans of finance in general, and people whose 401ks are managed by Annex Wealth Management. If that's you, think about the whole experience. Details at AnnexWealth.com. Still to come, five things you'll encounter in the first 10 years of retirement. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, January 14th. Going to be right back on 92.5 Fox News. Market volatility, global issues. We hear about inflation easing, but it's still a real issue. More than a few headwinds this year. That's probably why Americans like you feel uncertain about their financial future. Just 59% of affluent Americans felt secure last year, and that's down from the year before. Boomers, not much room for error. Gen X might need more than a 401k. And for millennial families with big dreams, it's time to get real about saving and investing. Talk to Annex Wealth Management. Build security with a partner on your side for unbiased advice. Our goal is a plan that prepares you to maintain your desired lifestyle throughout retirement. Investments are a start, but you may need more. That's why Annex delivers tax and estate planning. There's an Annex plan personalized for you. Annex Comprehensive Wealth fits most individuals and families. But if you've got high net worth with complex needs, Annex Private Client is your solution. Just starting out, Annex Ignite is a great choice. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Click the Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. If you came in late, this show is going to be available as a podcast at the top of the hour, wherever you get your podcasts. Dr. Brian Jacobson is here, Chief Economist, Annex Wealth Management. So is Dave Spano, President and CEO. You know, Danny, last year we had the Magnificent Seven, those tech stocks that really led the way. And we thought that there would be a broadening out of the market as we went into 2024, but Darn it, those Magnificent Seven are popping their heads up again. They really are. This past week, they were some of the top performers. It was really impressive. And it's, you know, for a variety of reasons, I think that you have some of the names that, like NVIDIA announcing that they're coming out with some innovative new chip for China to avoid some of these uh, restrictions for exporting the technology. Uh, you also have other companies that are going through some cost cutting. Remember back 
I think it was about a year ago, Meta, so Facebook, they said they were going to go through like a year of efficiency. The, the 2023 was going to be the year of efficiency and it, it worked. They were able to cut costs. Other companies are beginning to do that. Google, Amazon. Uh, so yeah, this past week, it's again, we were hoping to see this broadening of the rally, but it is again focused on these big tech giants. Not only the big tech giants, but the financials began to report this past week. And it was interesting. Not only was the report very interesting, but they also talked about job cuts. Yes. Yeah. The job cuts is, I think, something that we really have to watch is we know the labor market is beginning to cool. Uh, when we look back as far as the December payroll number that came out on around January 5th, that was a lot better than expected. And when we look at the revisions, the revisions have always been negative with this. So they come out with the first report and then they will revise those. We now know that back in October, there were a net increase of 105,000 jobs, which is about the run rate for the economy to keep up with population growth, change in the labor force and things like that. So we're seeing a bit of a rebound, but it might now take another dip now that some of the bigger companies are announcing some either layoffs or what they would um, you know, affectionately call headcount reduction. It right. sounds so sterile. We just spoke of technology and financials, but there is a third sector that's certainly getting a lot of attention. That is the energy sector, and that is because what is happening in the Red Sea, and that fighting is really kind of ramping up. It really is, and it was almost this textbook response to the announcement that the United States and the United Kingdom were launching strikes on uh, the Houthis in Yemen. Seventy missiles were fired by the United States and some of their allies into the Houthis. Yeah, it's incredible, just the overwhelming show of force. And now the Houthis saying that they are going to respond. We'll have to see how that plays out. But you saw oil prices go up. Gold prices also rallied a little bit, but then kind of gave it back. And the market uh, kind of, I don't want to say dismissed it, but oftentimes what has happened, if you look at what happened during previous conflicts, is oftentimes when the missiles start being fired by the United States and its allies, that's when you're closer to the end of it as opposed to the beginning of it. And I always want to make a joke about hoodies and of course the blowfish but it's really <laughs> dramatic situation that is happening right now the world's on edge and that is going to be a story as we go into 2024 not only as a geopolitical risk as we set up the year but domestically there is a lot of elections not only happening here in the united states but around the world as well that's correct yeah a lot of elections going on globally you could get a lot of changes in regulations you could get changes in taxes uh, all sorts of different things and so we do have to really closely monitor monitor what the outcome of these things will be. Now, I love watching politics. I'm a bit of a political junkie. And one of them that I'm really interested in is in Mexico, they're going to be having an election. And right now it does look like you're going to have some continuity of policy. But what happens then in terms of with the U.S. election and what we know from the last time we had a presidential election is the Mexican peso and the Mexican markets. Those were almost like a thermometer for whether or not President, uh, at that point, candidate Trump, was uh, whether or not he was going to win. In 15 seconds, talk about what's happening with the U.S. dollar. And so the U.S. dollar has begun to strengthen a little bit. We believe that's actually somewhat temporary. As the Fed gets closer to cutting rates, it's likely to show some weakness. But temporarily now, the Fed's pushing back on all those rate cut expectations. You could see a little bit more strength. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, Dave Spano, our President and CEO. 
Let's meet you where you're at. Annex Comprehensive Wealth is a sweet spot for most of our clients. Annex Private Client, if you've got complex needs and high net worth. If you're just starting out, Annex Ignite, a solid place to start. It all starts at AnnexWealth.com. Click on that Get Started button. You know, it's more than dollars and cents when we put a plan together for our clients. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch every day. Market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, joined by Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Todd. Hi, Danny. So you're a vital cog in the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee machine. Plenty of exposure to a number of clients, and over the course of your career, unfortunately, probably seen some marriages end, which is a process that requires the detangling of assets. One of the terms people might be familiar with is Qualified Domestic Relations Order, or Quadro. Could you please define quadro for us? Sure. A quadro is a domestic relations order. It's a court order dividing up retirement plans and divorce because retirement plans are considered marital property. Retirement plans can be tapped into pay alimony, child support. They're generally used to divide retirement plans, and not all the time are they used. If one spouse is getting a house, the other one's getting a retirement plan. There wouldn't be a necessity for a quadro. So who would decide that division besides the quadro? It's usually negotiated between the attorneys for the property division. During the divorce process, when a couple has portfolios that include pensions, 401ks, and other various retirement accounts, what options does each party have when working through that division? For starters, each state considers retirement plans as marital assets. Quadro can award a lump sum even before retirement and right away in many cases from a 401k to be paid to a spouse. Non-participant spouse can take direct distributions from the 401k or similar plan without a tax penalty or transfer all or a portion to an IRA. The key is they can divide that and take part of it as cash, part of it rolled over to an IRA, or generally it's all rolled over to an IRA. What does non-participant mean? It means the spouse that's not a participant to the retirement plan, that's not employed as part of that plan. I just want to add something to that. There's defined contribution plans to your 401k. Those are account balances. Those can be divided rather easily. Then there's defined benefit plans, kind of like the type of plans that your parents would own that have monthly benefits, those are split as well. And they can be split in any proportion. And the non-participant spouse has the same ability to retire when they want to and start taking their part of that benefit. Let's talk taxes. Would the plan withhold income taxes on the distribution? On lump sum distributions from a quadro, most plans are required to withhold 20%. There are a few exceptions like employee stock ownership plans, but a safe assumption is that on direct distribution, other than rolling the proceeds to an IRA, there will be withholding 20% for taxes. This is not a penalty. The monies that were contributed to the plan are generally not taxed, 
So it's taxed coming out of the plan, no different for the participant spouse or the, the non-participant spouse. With Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist at Annex Wealth Management, we're covering qualified domestic relations orders or quadros during a divorce. So what are the options for the spouse and the proceeds? I mean, does it stay in the plan or is it better to roll it over, invest it otherwise? Well, the non-participant spouse can keep their interest in the plan. plan generally doesn't care for that idea, but they still have all the, the rights of the participant. But many will take the distribution, roll it to their IRA, so they maintain control over their money and not the company. Because you have many more options outside the plan. Yeah. You can get the same options in the plan, like if, if it's a 401k. And this is true for even just people retiring and, and have a choice of keeping it in the 401k or rolling it to an IRA. The difference is in the IRA, they can get CDs, treasuries, stocks. They can get the same funds that they had in a 401k. So they have much more flexibility, probably ease of moving monies in and out to safe places or whatever. But they can also cash in a portion of that quadro distribution. Distribution, keeping it in mind, no penalty, but they'll end up paying regular income tax. And that can be before 59 and a half. So who helps with this during a divorce? Is this a divorce attorney thing? Is this a wealth management partner like Annex Wealth Management? Because I'm going to guess this is a really important moment. People need to watch out for certain red flags. Oh, you're right. It's a major asset. And it's one of the two major assets, of, you know, besides a house and a, and a marital estate. Annex can definitely help with the distribution to the alternate payee and their own IRA and follow through with cash flow retirement planning. It's important for the non-participant spouse receiving a distribution that doesn't have that planning or investment experience. And so you can go to Annex a Wealth Manager and get a plan. That, that to me is really important. I've dealt with this. I've written articles published on Quadros, a small segment of that chief investment strategist role, but it's really important this transition for that alternate payee, even for the participant spouse, as they roll into retirement, that they have that type of plan and guidance. And we know the ins and outs and the intricacies of that. So regardless who prepares the quadro, the main thing is that whoever is the alternate payee, they receive competent advice, not only competent advice on the quadro, but competent advice when it comes to investments, the markets, and the economy and so forth. And so a big part of that rollover is not just rolling it over into an IRA. It's what you do with it at that point. So you need that investment guidance. You need tax planning assistance for that. Annex also has the team that will work on the estate planning part and work with the attorneys or in tax planning, work with the CPAs. And so I think it's really important to follow through. It's a crucial decision. Folks, if you need the help, our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start that wealth metric process. We'll guide you through. Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny. Is there anything sweeter than the crisp sound of a driver when it connects purely with the ball? Scientists have determined that sound has a psychological effect on golfers and that many evaluate the quality of their shot by the sound it makes right after contact, you know. You may have the same sense about your financial plan. When you review what you own and why you own it and the date you plan on retiring, something doesn't seem, look, or sound right. Think of Annex Wealth Management as the swing doctors for your financial plan. We'll look at every component of your plan, including the goals you're swinging for, and give you the truly objective analysis that comes from a fee-only fiduciary with no products to push or commissions to chase. It may be you need to only tweak one part of your plan, or you may have to work on a missing 
missing component. When it comes to helping you get it right, talk to our pros. Contact Annex Wealth Management today. Set up a time to meet in person or securely online and get a free swing, I mean, portfolio review. Get started at AnnexWealth.com. Time for Ask Annex. As always, got a question for us. You head to our website, look for the Ask tab in the studio. Kent Helene, an Associate Wealth Manager, welcome to Ask Annex. Thank you, Danny. And we got Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager. Welcome to you. Hey, Danny. Question number one. Thanks to your advice on the show, I'm investing my HSA. Should it mirror the allocation in the rest of my portfolio, or do I arrange some sort of specialization? My plan is to not use it immediately. Well, first of all, thank you for listening and starting to get invested in that HSA. That's an extremely powerful tool that we have, both from an investment standpoint and from financial planning as well, too. You know, to really give you a real detailed answer, would really love to know a little bit more about what the time frame is on that. And that's something that, you know, our wealth managers like Kent really could dig into with you. In terms of not using it immediately, to me, that means that you've got at least a couple of years, if not maybe 20 or 30 before you might start pulling funds out of there. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you could really step up the aggressiveness there. But it really does mean a lot in terms of what that time horizon is. Two years is definitely a lot different than 20. From what I've been seeing too, when you're looking at the HSA and the timing or the Roth and the timing, people really like the idea of putting it into different buckets as Mm -hmm. far as the time horizon. Not only does it show that we have a, a plan for the money, but at that point now we're personally catering that investment to you. Next up on Ask Annex, my elderly parents have about $150,000 sitting in a checking account due to the sale of an inherited asset. They've asked me if they should just leave it or do something else. Given their age, I'm not really sure what's the best advice. They've got retirement funds that cover living and medical expenses. I was thinking they should move it to a CD or an HYSA. However, does that make sense for them? Any other options that would be available or should be considered? Leaving it in a checking seems wrong or vulnerable for fraud or scams. First off, looking at the HYSA, I want to touch on a high yield savings account, just so anybody listening has that context. But talking about what would be comfortable for them, and then also looking at the checking and the layer of insulation you have of putting it into a CD or a U.S. Treasury. Right now, when you're talking about the U.S. Federal Reserve thinking about lowering those rates at some point in this year, it might be the time to lock in those longer term rates. But really sitting down and finding out what their goals are and what your situation with them is, is really something that you should do. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to cash flow management. It definitely mm-hmm. seems like they have enough money coming in to cover their daily needs, but you still want to have some excess funds in the checking account. From there, you start to spread that out. So high yield savings account, you probably want to have a little bit there, mm-hmm. getting that higher interest rate. But can't, like you said, interest rates probably will be coming down sometime this year. So those rates will come down with it, mm-hmm. starting to layer in the CDs, treasuries, and then investing after that and kind of layering those areas out. But yeah, from a checking account standpoint, it's really not a great idea to have a large sum of money just sitting there. I'm not an expert on the fraud part of that, but from a standpoint of just trying to maximize the money that you have and be a good steward, you really do want to layer some of those things out there, get a higher yield, maybe even get some growth if you have enough that's going to get stretched out from an investing standpoint. Similar to the HSA question where what's the time horizon of the money and how do we start breaking that Mm -hmm. up over the year, two years, three years, what's the time frame? Keeping the theme going with rate cuts on the horizon is now the time to lock in better rates by committing CDs. Yeah, again, it's going to really come down to what your goal is for that money and when you're going to need it. But yeah, certainly a great idea. You know, again, the market's telling us, the Federal Reserve is telling us that they are going to start to come down this year. Mm-hmm. So starting to lock in some of those, whether it's a CD or looking at a treasury, which a lot of times you might be able to get a higher yield with looking at a treasury. If it's money that's in a taxable account, which I would assume based on the question that it is, you might get some tax savings on that as well too. 
that would make that even more attractive to you. It has been a popular thing, especially discussing what has happened over the past year, two years with the volatility in the market. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of investor fatigue, talking about wanting to lock in those rates now has dramatically increased now that we see the Fed yeah. potentially lowering those rates. It's Ask Annex. Final question. I had some extra cash in a high-yield savings account. As CDs mature and rates drop, where would you move this money? My current portfolio, 50% equities, 40% CD, 10% bonds. From here, what I'd like to know is that 40% that's in the CDs right now, where did that come from? Was that all money that was in a checking or savings account, or was it previously invested someplace else? The other 50% equities, 10% bonds, was that 40% of your bond portfolio and you were 50-50 mixed before? If you were, likely best place is back into fixed income, get you to that true allocation that you really wanted. If it came from equities, or if this is too low of a risk tolerance for you and you actually could take 60 or 70% in equities, that's where I would want to go. Last thing on that, is if you're waiting for rates to drop before you're going to make a change, it likely is too late to make a lot of that those changes. If you think from a bond perspective, bond prices move in inverse to yields. So as yields drop, bond prices go up. So if you're waiting for those yields to come down before you make the move, the price of those bonds is going to go higher and you're actually going to miss out on some of that appreciation there. Yeah, the one thing looking at the 40% CDs and the 10% bonds at that point now we're talking about in my eyes, the duration mm -hmm. of saying, when do we need the liquidity and how, how far are we pushing this duration in that the CDs or the bonds and now the fixed income allocation overall. We're going to talk about passion assets next. Kent, you were Marine for 12 years. Do you have like Marine stuff that you would consider a passion asset? Very much so. Yeah. So we need plans for things like mm -hmm. that. Kent Helene, Associate Wealth Manager. Thanks for joining us. Great to talk to you, Danny. Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be back. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Losing sleep lately, the job, the house, the headlines, or investments? How about the feeling your investment partner isn't a partner at all? They might be operating in someone's best interest, but that someone isn't you. It's time for Annex Wealth Management. It's easy. Head to AnnexWealth.com, click the Get Started button. We work in your best interest as a fiduciary. That commitment runs so deep, we put it in writing. Does your advisor do that? Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Start at AnnexWealth.com. Need to reach Annex Wealth Management, but want to skip the computer? That's no problem at all. Give us a call. We're at 239-350-6363. That's 239-350-6363. Let's talk soon. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? A car collection, art collection, wine collection, Hummel collection. Okay, maybe not that, but along the way in this thing called life, we collect things that have value that aren't necessarily in the category of investments like stocks, bonds, mutual funds. They are passion assets, and it can be complicated unless you're working with a team who understands passion assets. We have two of our Annex teammates to talk about passion assets. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA, is here. Hello, Deanne. Hello, Danny. And Amy Kiskala, an attorney, CPA, and wealth strategist at Annex Wealth Management. Hello, Amy. Hi, Danny. There are stocks, bonds, annuities, and a ton of other investment vehicles, but we're talking about passion assets. What's in that category? Well, typically, these are things that don't pass by beneficiary designation. It's really our stuff, and they might have a valuation to them, like a collection, coins, art, jewelry, furniture, guns, antique toys, 
or, and this is the usual, they may have sentimental value, meaning like letters from our ancestors, for example, passed down in the family. Can also include things like digital property and photos and papers that we have, and can even include what Deanna and I consider our favorite passion assets, which is our pets. What makes something a passion asset? Well, it's something with meaning. Now, maybe it is that family heirloom, like that pie plate great-grandma, then grandma, then mom uses every Thanksgiving. Maybe it's a piece of jewelry. Maybe it's something from your own past, an award or special art you bought. And maybe it's just something that delights you. But whatever it is, it's something that you wouldn't just toss away on a whim necessarily. And again, it might or might not have monetary value. Deanne, in financial planning, the emphasis is focused on investable assets, right? Yes, usually. Those are things that we want to make sure have those beneficiaries listed on them when applicable. Well, and let's not forget that passion assets can have a financial planning aspect to them as well. They can have significant value. Many times they don't, but sometimes they do, which means that if you're going to give it away, transfer it, death or sell it, there could be tax consequences to think about. And as Deanne mentioned, they often don't have title attached to them, so that can have implications in how assets are transferred. You know, a passion asset could also be a secondary property, like a family cabin that's been passed around for generations, which requires quite a bit more estate planning and preparation. Work. When does the discussion begin when it comes to passion assets? Literally, what to do with all our stuff beyond who gets the car or how do I get rid of all my shoes? <laughs> These would be things that the family, at least someone, would treasure. And so if we feel we're a caretaker to those things, it makes it difficult to get rid of. So usually that discussion should happen typically around stories sooner rather than later. Maybe there's probably a couple of trigger points in life when we really should be talking about it. One is if you're downsizing, great time to go through and and declutter. And when you're doing your estate plan, it can have an impact. And so you should be thinking about and talking about it during your estate planning process. And wouldn't it be better to make this a joyful exercise rather than like kind of a legal thing? If we can, sometimes stuff can feel like a burden, though. I mean, I inherited stuff from three elderly women in my family, and there certainly were things amongst all that that I cherished, but it is a lot. And there's this Forbes article that came out a few years ago, but it's relevant today. Your kids don't want your old stuff, and that's very true. I think my 20-year-old daughter would take maybe 10 of the hundreds of items from my house that were passed down from the family. Have you seen it go the other way? Absolutely have. Uh, you know, After mom and dad pass away, I have seen situations where the kids start fighting and disagreeing about how to divide up the things, the passion assets. You know, If you think about a piece of art or a piece of jewelry, it can't easily be divided. And so that can come up with disagreements between the family. And what's fair? There, there's a huge difference between somebody's 65 Corvette Stingray and a collection of thimbles from around the world. Well, sometimes it's not about money unless they want to sell the objects and there's no personal connection. A lot of times it's about what brings pleasure and happiness and good memories. Yeah, and I think it's important to think about that as a family and particularly for parents if you're thinking about what assets to pass down to which children is if they are of unequal value, are you going to account for that by maybe leaving other assets like cash? or investments to the other children. If the person has passed, is it too late to arrange equitable distribution? No, but, uh, you know, then it comes down to the executor of the estate. And if the person who passed didn't indicate who gets this coveted engagement ring, for example, then the executor needs to figure out a way to make beneficiaries as happy as possible, which sometimes isn't easy. 
It's not easy. And as an estate planner, that's one of the conversations to have is that it's it's very typical to build something into the estate plan about how that process is going to work, either naming directly who's going to get what assets or a process for the kids to select assets after death. Fair and equitable are not the same thing. So, you know, we'll hear, I'll hear as a wealth manager, sometimes a client say, I want to treat everybody equally. And sometimes they'll say, well, this person loved this and it may have a greater value, but they'll cherish it. So it just is very personal decision. It gets down to planning, and that's what we do every single day for clients of Annex Wealth Management. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, CDFA at Annex. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Amy Kiskala, Attorney, CPA, Wealth Strategist at Annex. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. It was bound to happen. Over your career, investments came along for the ride. The first 401k, brokerage account, profit sharing, stock options, pension, another 401k, an insurance policy, an annuity. You get the picture. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe every portfolio tells a story. After all, we've seen, reviewed, dissected, discussed, and analyzed thousands of them. Some portfolios are like well-tended gardens and reflect diligence, patience, fortitude, and optimism. Others tell the story of being sold commissioned products that might not have been the best choice, maybe for the salesperson, but not for the investor. When the financial planning team at Annex reviews your portfolio, we spot what works, what might not, and then provide unbiased suggestions based on what's important. The retirement you desire. That's where the good stuff happens. Every portfolio tells a story. Let's work on yours. Investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. As a fee-only fiduciary, that's our story. Head to AnnexWealth.com, click the Get Started button. That's AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Keith Butler, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management, joins us. Hey, Keith. Hi, Danny. Our relationship with clients goes farther than the investment and retirement planning. Life is a journey, and we realize every mile is important. We're in it with you for the length of that relationship. And that's just one of the ways when we say know the difference, that's what we mean. It's more than dollars and cents, and that's what we're going to talk about with Keith. It's important to not leave out a critical piece of the picture because successful retirement takes much much more than adequate financial planning. Keith, in your opinion, what's the more part? Yeah. You know, it's interesting that we, we, we talk about planning all the time. That's our big thing here, and it really should be. Why, why do you do that? Why do you save? I mean, why do you spend your life deferring to a 401k plan? Why not just spend that money? The reason is you want to have something later for retirement. You want to plan for retirement. So a lot of times we focus on the hard stuff, meaning the, the financial end of it, the planning end of it, but there's also the soft stuff right? There's also the soft part of what do you do in retirement? Will you be happy in retirement? Will you be fulfilled in retirement? And that's what we should talk about today. I've heard many times people that are successful in retirement are retiring to something rather than from something. So if your retirement plan really is just to be able to walk out the door and you haven't thought much about it beyond that, that can sometimes be an issue. It can. And I think the big thing is to take a step back and figure, how do you define yourself? If you ask somebody, what are you? Some may define it in terms of their career. I'm a lawyer. I'm a banker. I'm a firefighter. Or maybe it's in terms of their family. I'm a father. I'm a mother. Or perhaps in religious terms. But there's something that you use to define yourself. And I think the answer to this might start with that. I'm looking forward to this segment because I've got to be guilty. I'm kind of sort of on the doorstep and I haven't really thought of what would be next. I think that's the fun part, but I haven't taken myself through the steps. How important is structure? It is very, very important because you've lived most of your life. Ever since you were a little kid, you had structure, okay? Once you start going to school, 
okay, you have to get up in the morning, and now later on you go to work or class or what have you. Even recess was scheduled. <laughs> It was, and gym class and lunch and all that kind of fun stuff. So, yeah, so getting a structure is something that is very important because we do find that people, once they do retire, if they haven't really thought about the soft stuff, there's higher incidence of depression, Mm. of anxiety, of things like that. And one of the key parts is to have a little structure to think ahead about your week on a weekly basis. What are you going to do with your time? How about purpose? How important is to kind of lay in that purpose. You talked earlier about, you know, kind of know yourself, but you've got a purpose in retirement. You need to find it. Yes, and I think that that's what what leads us to the answer is how you define yourself, is finding that, okay, some people just define themselves. I'll use the lawyer because I was a lawyer, and I was acquainted with a guy, a well-known lawyer in town in his 70s. We had lunch a couple of years ago, and I said, how long are you going to work? He said, telephone stops ringing. And I know that throughout my career, I saw the people that came back at, at very old ages, they just they couldn't give it up. They had to, if they were only coming to the office two or three hours a day, they were a lawyer. But see how you define yourself, and that may lead you to some sort of a, a purposeful retirement. Volunteering, you're a lawyer, fine. You don't need to work anymore. You got plenty of money. There's a lot of legal aid society out there. There's a lot of things you can do to help society or even work part-time. Because really, the pressure of work is when you have to work. You know, when you need it to support yourself. But once you get to a, a financial security in, in a retirement, you could you could get a part-time job just for something to do. It's fun. Do you find that people need to determine their purpose or the purpose going to find them? Well, that's a very interesting question. I think you almost have to determine that. And I think you have to think it through in advance about what's important to you. Maybe it's animals. Some people just love animals. Well, there's so many places you can volunteer, work to help an animal cause, just for one example. Sure, sure. But also be flexible, too, because I think you're going to get to the point where maybe you're working at a humane society and you're like, okay, I can't do this all the time either. (laughs) So some flexibility would be important, right? How about community? Yeah, that's, you know, one of the the last things here because you don't want to be the kid with all the toys and nobody to play with, right? So finding other people that have similar interests to you, whether it's in a, a professional organization, maybe it's a religious organization, through volunteering, maybe it's sports. Maybe you're, you're a fan of certain kind of sports. You're just big into football, something like that, or fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, there are lots of, of organizations, and you know, one of the benefits of the Internet is you can certainly find organizations to fit your interests. Keith Butler is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, talking about beyond the financial plan. We want you to have a well-constructed financial plan, but that goes by the wayside if there are factors that conspire to derail you. Any last takeaways? Yeah. The summary is that it's something that should be thought about in advance. Again, it is the, the hard stuff, and I don't mean hard in a difficult sense, but the hard stuff is the, the finances, the financial plan, and those are the things that we're always focused on. I would encourage people, as you start getting close, you know, within a couple of years to start thinking ahead about what is it that really makes you happy, what gives you a certain sense of satisfaction, and where do you see yourself fitting in in something where you can make a difference in retirement. Folks, if you're not with us, get with us. That starts with the first meeting at Annex Wealth Management. We want to get to know you, what your hopes are, your dreams, your goals. That's where we're different. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Keith Butler, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Danny. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch every day. Market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. 
Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. The Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee is locked and laser-focused on every aspect of the markets. Go deep with the SWAT podcast. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Delivered every Monday morning on Spotify. Search Annex Wealth Management for the SWAT podcast. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News with Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management here in Southwest Florida. Happy New Year, Robert. Happy New Year to you, Danny. Maybe with a new year, you got a new health care insurance plan and it could be a high deductible health care plan and we're pretty jazzed about those things because with those comes the ability to get going with an HSA, a health care savings account. A lot of misconceptions with those things. We've got a list of some of the myths. We're going to combat them. Robert, the first myth is, is you got to use the HSA money by year end and that's not the case. That's what the FSA is. That is not the case, Danny. Uh, it's a big misconception about HSA. The flexible spending accounts you have to s- spend in the calendar year, HSAs carry over until you successfully complete retirement. Second myth about HSAs, you can only get it through your employer. Until this segment, I didn't know that. I thought you had to. There's a website out there, hsasearch.com where you can go compare fees and investing options and plans. And if your health care coverage does not have an HSA, maybe you, you can find one and talk your employer into importing one. HSA myth number three, you can't use that money in the HSA after you sign up for Medicare. Here's the dilly on this one. You can't make new contributions to an HSA after you en- enroll in Medicare. You can continue to use the money I mean, if you aren't covered by uh, spouse's insurance or things like that, you do get free withdrawals to pay a portion of your long-term care insurance from your HSA if you purchase that. So there are many, many different ins and outs of the HSA account. We have experts come talk to us just to make sure that you don't make a mistake. With Robert Chastain, Wealth Manager and a Branch Director at Annex Wealth Management in Southwest Florida, talking about myths about HSAs. The next myth, you can't contribute to an HSA after you turn 65. These are tricky, aren't they, Danny? Little bit. Eligibility, yes. Eligibility for an HSA contribution stops when you enroll in Medicare. That's not necessarily when you turn 65. Some people who keep working for a large employer at age 65 choose to delay signing up for Medicare Part A and B, so they can continue to contribute to their HSA. However, you can only delay signing up for Medicare at 65 if you have health insurance from a current employer. Make sure that you understand that difference. Do not miss your window for signing up for Medicare once you are forced to. The fifth myth about HSA, and that's not easy to say, you got to get permission from an HSA administrator to withdraw money. Untrue, untrue, untrue. Most HSAs have debit cards or quasi-credit cards that you can pay for a medical expense. Now, understand this. Keep your receipts and make sure that it is a approved medical expense because you may be audited on it. And our sixth myth and our final one, you got to use the HSA funds within a certain time period after you incur medical bills. Again, that's not true. It is not true. The only thing that anybody who has an HSA, that HSA has to be in place at the time of the medical expense or procedure. So example, you can't incur a medical expense 
two years ago and pay for it with your HSA that started in 2024. The HSA has to be in place when the medical expense occurs. As Robert said, we can help you figure this out, and we would love to be of assistance. We're ready for everything, investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, and we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management here in Southwest Florida. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Market volatility, global issues. We hear about inflation easing, but it's still a real issue. More than a few headwinds this year. That's probably why Americans like you feel uncertain about their financial future. Just 59% of affluent Americans felt secure last year, and that's down from the year before. Boomers, not much room for error. Gen X might need more than a 401k. And for millennial families with big dreams, it's time to get real about saving and investing. Talk to Annex Wealth Management. Build security with a partner on your side for unbiased advice. Our goal is a plan that prepares you to maintain your desired lifestyle throughout retirement. Investments are a start, but you may need more. That's why Annex delivers tax and estate planning. There's an Annex plan personalized for you. Annex Comprehensive Wealth fits most individuals and families. But if you've got high net worth with complex needs, Annex Private Client is your solution. Just starting out, Annex Ignite is a great choice. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Click the Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Losing a spouse is an awful reality for married couples. You've had time together, and when the day comes when you're by yourself, it's just not right. Being widowed creates a hole and can be made worse if you don't have a solid financial plan. That's what we're going to talk about with Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP, and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Deanne. Hey, Danny. Oh, these are sad topics, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We realize that both men and women lose spouses, but for the sake of this conversation, we're going to talk about widows who have lost husbands. Statistically, that's more likely than the other way around, isn't it? Well, in 2020, there were about three and a half million widowed men in the U.S. and about 11.3 million widowed women. Well, I don't like the sound of this. Widowhood is one of the highest financial risk factors that face women. Yeah, a woman's income just from Social Security alone drops significantly after their spouse dies. This cut ranges from 33 to 50 percent compared to the couple's previous combined benefits. They're going down to one, the highest of the paychecks from two. So women face a higher risk of falling into poverty. Also, if their spouse had a pension, there might be a reduction in benefit there as well. The poverty rate for widowed women is almost 40% higher than her male counterpart. That sets the stage for a serious conversation, doesn't it? And I'm going to use broad generalizations here, but based on what I've read, it's very possible that the widow was not as involved in managing finances. Traditionally, right or wrong, the husband took the lion's share of the financial management. Well, usually what I see as a wealth manager is one member of the partnership, and yes, it's usually the man, takes care of the investments while the woman might take care of the household budgeting. So both financial but very different duties. We do usually see the division of household financial labor split, though. You're right. And interestingly, and this statistic has been around for a long time, Danny, up to 70 percent of widows leave their husband's financial advisor within a year of their death, according to Vanguard Research. Usually that's because they weren't involved in that decision making process and they had no relationship with the advisor. Or worse, no advisor at all. Right. right? And so all of a sudden they're behind the eight ball. They're forced to make decisions that they might not be equipped for. In fact, you and I did that segment called 
fortune hunters and gold diggers. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how people can be taken advantage of in times like that. Yeah, and that's why I always say you should bring along a second pair of eyes and ears, a good friend whom you trust with you when you're making financial decisions after you have a major life-changing event, like losing a spouse. During times of stress, we don't hear and process things the same way. And at that time, yeah, unfortunately, it can be easier to get taken advantage of because we're not as much on our toes. Or we might make decisions that aren't necessarily in our best interest because we just want to get the decisioning done Mm. with. So that second set of eyes and ears can be very helpful in that case. Deanne Phillips is Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Deanne, let's back up to a point where a married couple is sitting with us at Annex Wealth Management. Let's go through some of the basic but very necessary steps they need to take with their wealth manager and their whole plan. Right. Well, first off, it is about the couple. So they both do need to be here sharing their goals, their wants, their needs. They're both equally important in building that financial plan. And they both need to have an understanding of how their current actions and income and and their assets fit into their plan and how their goals can be met. This is so much more and goes so much deeper than just knowing about their asset allocation or diversification. It's so much more than just the investments. It's understanding their income expenses, their legacy planning, their estate planning. And it's about stress testing their financial plan just in case there is a long-term care need or a premature death. And stress testing the plan then really shows them as a couple, as a team, what would happen to the remaining partner financially if one was lost. Let's say it happens and a spouse passes. The the dust needs to settle a little bit, but the widow needs to take certain steps. One of the most important is to contact us at Annex Wealth Management. The plan that worked previously for the married couple is in place, but it needs to morph. It needs to reflect a new reality. Yeah, so relatively soon, you do need to revamp around that financial plan because your income, your tax situation, your expenses, they're all going to change. Your bracket's going to change, and eventually your goals might change too. All of these need to be formalized into a financial plan. You know, I've heard from a number of our wealth managers who share clients saying things like, it's so nice that somebody's not selling me something when we're sitting in meeting. That's not what we do. We're, we're here to help. Oh, no, absolutely. We are here as in a fiduciary capacity to act in the best interest of the clients. And we're really here to help guide you through all those transitions, good and bad. We have people that ask, how often do we meet? Well, when you're going through a transition, you're going to be in contact with us and we're going to be in contact with you a little bit more. And that is normal. And, you know, sometimes it's about repetition and gentle nudges and reminders and helping you partner to and through all those life transitions. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Start that wealth metric process. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks for having me. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe every portfolio tells a story. After all, we've analyzed thousands. Some reflect diligence and fortitude, others a mishmash of overlapping investments. When Annex reviews your portfolio, we spot what works, what might not, and then provide unbiased suggestions free from sales commissions. Every portfolio tells a story. Let's work on yours. Investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. As a fee-only fiduciary, that's our story. Head to AnnexWealth.com. 
Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. This show is going to be available as a podcast at the top of the hour, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And really, so much of what we do content-wise, you can find on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. You know, there are over 1,500 videos, and we didn't buy those things. We produce those things from Annex Wealth Management content because we're always thinking about education at Annex Wealth Management. It's fiduciary advice, it's comprehensive strategies, and it's empowering education. And it all starts at AnnexWealth.com. In the studio, Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano, President and CEO. Thanks, Danny. You know, Brian, this week I had a number of phone calls of people saying, where do you think interest rates are going? Because I put a lot of money in money markets Mm -hmm. and it's just sitting there idle. And so that has been a conversation we've had this entire week. It is. And with interest rates where they are now, uh, cash does yield a decent amount. So it's no longer that cash is trash, but that's not going to last forever. You know, we believe that the Federal Reserve is going to be cutting rates. The Fed believes that they will be cutting rates. And so those cash yields will likely come down with time. And so what we were encouraging people to do in the last quarter of 2023 was to start locking in those yields. Now, what we've seen with those longer term yields is they already have come down. And that's oftentimes what you see. So if you wait for the Fed to cut and wait for the yield on cash to drop, to kind of get you off the fence, to get into to some longer-term fixed income, sometimes it's too late, but we're still finding some decent opportunities. The nice thing about the volatility that we're seeing with interest rates is it's created some pockets of opportunity to still put that cash to work. No question about that. And Brian, I'm old enough to remember in the early 1980s when CD rates were double digit. <laughs> and uh, my father said at that point, you know, maybe you should lock it in. I said, I don't want to lock up my money for five years, but that really was the good advice yeah. is to go ahead and grab those rates and lock them up. Alternatively, we talk about opportunities. What we did in a lot of cases is we put money into fixed income. What does that mean to our listeners right now? Sure. And really, it does depend upon your tax situation. And so what we were finding, especially with our high net worth individuals, is they have to be a little bit more uh, selective about where to put that money. Because your example of a CD, a certificate of deposit, that's FDIC guaranteed. That's great. But the interest income that you get on that, that is taxed at the federal and the state level. There can be better opportunities looking at, say, treasury bills. So still short-term, backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government, only taxed at the federal level, not the state. So that can save you some state income taxes if you live in a state where they do have an income tax. Now, there are also, say, with money markets, municipal money market funds. And so what those do is those could be exempt from now the federal income tax. So it's really about trying to find out what is the highest after-tax yield, mixing that with the protection that the individual is looking for. And you and I are going to do a presentation coming up on putting some of that cash to work very soon. Yes, and I'm very excited about that because I think that a lot of people don't know what options are available to them. And that's a webinar too, and that's coming up on the 24th. So if you're listening on the stream, it's at 3 o'clock Central four o'clock Eastern. All of the details at AnnexWealth.com. Just look for the events tab, but cash on the sidelines, how to make it work. And that really is is for everybody because you know we have folks that have saved some money and have it on the sidelines, and we have very high net worth clients who have put some money on the sidelines because of the uncertainty that they see, but there are opportunities to put that to work. That's correct. And I think that it's really important as far as if you think about cash on the sidelines, how can you make that cash work 
harder for you in a smart way. But then also, how is it that you can think about through budgeting and financial planning to maybe get off of the sideline? So it's both about how to get off of the sideline, but then also how to benefit while you stay on the sideline. And really that comes from going through your portfolio and understanding everyone's facts and circumstances, and no one is the same. What I want to end with is, of course, if you go through the process and understand, it's not just a snapshot in time, it is really trying to get to your long-term financial goals. It is. And as far as what our approach here is, it starts with planning, right? Let's sit down, understand the client, understand the goals, understand the constraints in the situation, and then we can develop a strategy. And the key thing is a strategy is not static. A strategy needs to adapt to the client's changing situation and to the changing environment as far as whatever the market throws at us. Dr. Brian Jacobson is our chief economist at Annex Wealth Management, part of the Investment Committee. In fact, make sure you check out the SWAT podcast, which comes out Monday morning. So we're looking forward to that because there is a lot going on. And Dave, as you said earlier on the show, the world on edge. Mm -hmm. So we'd like to get you through that. Dave, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Danny. Folks, um, if that little voice in your head is reminding you of the importance of putting a plan in place for 2024, listen to it. AnnexWealth.com is the place. We're ready as a fee-only fiduciary partner. Click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. Back on the radio next Sunday at noon. Have a great week. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.